Hey, good morning, Lincoln. How you doing? Welcome to How's It Growing, your weekly gardening connection only here at your radio station, KZUM Lincoln. I'm Bob Hendrickson. I'm with the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum, plantnebraska.org. We're planting Nebraska pretty much each and every day. Hey, thanks for joining me today. What a difference a day makes, man. I don't know about you, but yesterday kind of made me like, man, I don't want to say crabby, but it's like I'm sick of this, right? And, and you were probably too. Record high, I think, in Lincoln again yesterday, yeah, as well as uh, Monday, right? I think we had a record high on Monday as well. Anyway, hopefully that's saying goodbye to the hundreds, uh, saying goodbye to the 90s. What a welcome day it is today, right? It would have been nice if this front would have moved in with a little rain. I know we have a 50-50 chance this afternoon, I believe it is. And uh, me, personally, I'm not counting on it until I see it. But uh, anyway, we do have a chance of rain. At least it's, well, probably going to have clouds, right? <laughs> what do they do? We may get rain out of the deal. But, uh, yeah, it's dry and it uh, could always be worse if you look at the uh, the drought map of Nebraska Lincoln's actually, you know, we're not historically dry. We're not, you know, we're just, you know, abnormally dry. Uh, they have different categories, right? And up in the northeastern part of the state, it's like exceptional drought. And down in the southwestern part of the state and big chunks of those areas are in exceptional drought and severe drought or whatever the heck they call it. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, there's parts of Nebraska that are even drier than this, which is just kind of a trip, right? And so... I hope we get some good moisture before winter sets in. Uh, next spring could be kind of interesting if we have a winter like last winter, right? Anyway, well, we won't dwell on that. We'll just say do your rain dance, pray for rain, however you want to get it here, man. But get it here for us, would you? Okay, well, let's see. What do we got going on today on the program? Well, I did have Barbara Salvatore uh, scheduled for our Plant Stories Life Medicines, but Barbara is uh, actually uh, out of town, so she wasn't able to join me. And I knew that, but I forgot to uh, let you people know. Um, anyway, so I'm flying solo today. Uh, all by my lonesome down here. If uh, you want to get in on the program, I'd love to hear from you. And that's 402-474-5086. Maybe you have a question, comment, whatever. Tell me about your favorite plant that I never talk about, right? Or things that you want to hear more about, right? Uh, 474-5086. I also want to give a big shout-out to all of you that have supported KZUM during our fall fun drive. Good for you. Man, we could really use your help. We, yeah, we're we short of our goal. Uh, the, the official fun drive is has passed. However... Uh, you know, we're, we're short of our goals, so I'm asking you to pledge your support for this radio station. Keep it going strong. We need your support. This is commercial-free radio. This is how we raise our funds, and we're, we're pretty much $8,000 short yet of our goal. So a little bit at a time, everybody, a little bit, a little bit helps, uh, 474-5086, and uh, that is the number to call. But probably the best way right now that the official one is over is doing it online at kzum.org. We really appreciate you going online and doing it that way. Much easier um, because, well, we don't have anybody down here to hand answer the phones right now. I wouldn't be able to <laughs> take your pledge while I'm answering your gardening question, right? So anyway, kzum.org is the best way to do it. We are on our way. We can make this, but we can't do without your help. kzum.org. Do it to it. Okay, well, in yesterday's heat, yesterday's heat doesn't sol slow down the gardening world. Um, I was down in the southeastern part of the state near Fall City, 
down in Richardson County, um, Salem, Nebraska area. Yes, that's right. There is a Salem, Nebraska down near Fall City, right along Highway 8, if you if you know where that's at. Anyway, down there is, uh, well, it's, it, there's good native trees that uh, we can collect seed from and grow those trees and make those trees available to you. And, well, we, we basically say our, our statewide arboretum members and others, whoever, uh, we're out there to to plant native trees and get those native trees from native populations. And it's pretty unique, people, uh, the native populations of trees that, you know, they kind of hug the Missouri River corridor there and, you know, they'll kind of go along the Platte River, basically follow river lines, right, Nebraska. But Nebraska is the, uh, it, it, of all the states uh, in, in our country, Nebraska has the most uh, species of trees, of woody plants, that meet the, the range limit, uh, their natural range limit in our state. So what that means is, oh, like, uh, let's, let's pick a red oak, for example. Red oak, pretty common tree. Red oaks are native to Nebraska, but they're only native to like three or four counties right along the Missouri River, like Richardson, Nemaha. I think it'll follow north into Douglas and uh, even north into Burt County above Omaha. It maybe gets up to the Sioux City area, I'm not quite sure. But um, that's it. And, uh, you know, there's, there's speculation that there's red oaks. Well, we know there's red oaks planted down, or I shouldn't say planted, that are growing down adjacent to Wilderness Park. Uh, down there by, oh, the YMCA there on South 14th. Just behind there is a, a good pocket of red oaks. And I'm convinced that those weren't planted by humans, that they were probably there. So if that's true... And I think it is, and I've talked to other people in the know that think it is, um, that red oak population down there at Wilderness Park is the furthest west, like pretty much in the world. And that's pretty cool. Because red oak grows in here in Nebraska, in the eastern part, you know, sandwiched here. And it, and it makes its way up in north into Minnesota, all the way east uh, to the east coast. So red oak has a huge native range that stops in Nebraska. And again, the list goes on and on, like a black oak, bur oak, uh, white oak, um, linden, black walnut. You know, all these native trees, the 30 species, I believe it is, at least 30 species, meet their range limit in the state. And a lot of those are, are eastern deciduous forest trees, right? So they grow out east and then, again, make their way in natural populations all the way to eastern Nebraska. So it's pretty cool. I think that seed that we collect down in the southeastern part of the state is like the best seed source that species has to offer because, you know, we want tough trees for our landscapes, right? But I would venture to guess you look around Lincoln, drive around Lincoln, wherever you go in Lincoln, oh, probably 0.001% of those trees uh, are actually uh, native trees that were collected from Nebraska native populations. It just never has made the nursery trade. And if nurseries are growing trees, they're typically ordering in cultivars. And those cultivars come from, you know, big wholesale nurseries out in Oregon, up in Minnesota, places like that. But we only have one grower in the state, and that's Great Plains Nursery. And uh, the others that say grown in Nebraska, well, they're ordering that liner in, that little seedling in, and then growing it on up in their nursery. That doesn't count. Born and raised in Nebraska. Yeah, that counts. And that's what Great Plains Nursery is. So I appreciate Heather Byers coming on the program of 
gosh, was that just last week? It's all a blur. <laughs> I think it was. Anyway, you can find it archived at kzum.org where we talk about native trees and the importance of native trees. And, and, and people often ask, you know, what are the trees of the future to us with global warming and all that? What are we going to do if it keeps getting hotter and drier and, you know, we have these freaky storms? And I'm like, well, there's a group of trees growing out there in nature that has kind of seen a lot of stuff here in Nebraska from big-time droughts to, you know, wetter than normal Anything Mother Nature has to throw it at, you know, 31 below, yeah, whatever. They shrug their shoulders and say, bring it on. That's why we're after that seed. So anyway, we usually have a stop at Arbor Lodge to see if there's any seed available there for us to collect because there's awesome trees there at Arbor Lodge. And then we keep heading on down from there, uh, south of Nebraska City towards Fall City, right? Anyway, uh, if you haven't been to Arbor Lodge before, man, you need to go. It's a cool place, especially if you're into big trees. You know, if you if you go to the lodge itself, the the old lodge, which was the mansion of Jay Sterling Morton and his wife uh, Carolyn, and uh, anyway, that's a cool place, a nice place to just hike around and look, and oh, tons of shade. So if it's hot out, who cares? In that little loop trail they have just uh, north of the um, lodge itself, and pretty much around the grounds there, which is a big place, you can see the state champion. And what I mean by state champion, it's the largest tree known of in the state. And uh, Arbor Lodge has the champion tulip tree, and it's a big boy. And it's not just one tree. There's a, there's, there's a champion tulip tree that you can find, but there's also a grouping of just three or four of them that easily have four-foot diameter trunks on them. So huge tulip trees. And when you go there, you're like looking at these gorgeous trees going, why aren't these planted more? And that's where the statewide arboretum comes in. We try to make these unusual, I, I shouldn't even call them unusual, but, but overlooked, underutilized trees in the landscape. People don't know a tulip tree, um, but they should. And it, it just really performs. And seeing those big old trees like that, man, they've seen storms. They've seen a lot come their way in the last, whatever, 100 plus years old they are. And uh, anyway, there's uh, a ginkgo grove there that's really uh, a, a gorgeous grove of ginkgo trees if you're into ginkgos uh, the state champion black walnut is there and that is a huge tree just north of the lodge itself can't miss it there's this little brick uh, roadway that goes north of the lodge and there's a huge black walnut tree right there that's worth giving a hug and you can find a grove of american beech there and american beech is kind of like well if you make it to ohio you'll see beech all over the place uh wisconsin ohio pennsylvania places like that they have beech woods and Nebraska, it's not native. However, they're doing just fine there at Arbor Lodge. And you can also see the state champion sweet gum. And sweet gum is another southeastern U.S. native tree that doesn't quite make it native, uh, you know, growing in wild populations in Nebraska. But we know the tree does well here based on what we've observed. And the uh, sweet gum there is huge. I mean, this baby's probably 60 feet tall and, uh, you know, a three, three foot diameter trunk, just a massive sweet gum, which is pretty much unheard of anywhere else in the state. And then finally, I believe there's the uh, champion persimmon, if it's still there, uh, just uh, north and west of the lodge itself, uh, like a stone's throw from the lodge is a, a cool old persimmon tree that, uh, is, it kind of makes you shake your head too, going, dang, I didn't realize they got that big. I mean, that, it's got a two-foot diameter trunk on it. So well worth a visit to Arbor Lodge. Uh, last week was their Applejack Festival, so you missed that. And, you know, there's a massive humanity there, and I, I'd rather go when it's a little more calm and quiet and reserved and 
if you're into collecting seed, you can do that. The, the, there's an American chestnut in there, too, that produces seed. I mean, just the list goes on and on. It's just a gorgeous place to look, wander around, look at some big old trees, and, uh, and I guess put them on your wish list for planting them in your own landscape. So anyway, we head down from Arbor Lodge. We go down to the Salem, Nebraska area. And down there is a population of uh, an oak tree called dwarf chinkapin. And dwarf chinkapin oak is uh, a native species to Nebraska. And it grows not only in Nebraska, but I think, if I remember right, something like 16, 18 states um, uh, east of us. So in Georgia, North Carolina, goes up into the Great Lakes region. And uh, I know there's some populations in Iowa and whatnot. So it's it's around, but it's very rare. In those uh, other states uh, that where it's native, it's listed as imperiled in eight of those. So it's pretty much, um, you know, in trouble. If the little tiny population goes away, it's gone forever in that state. And uh, in Iowa, I just heard from a buddy in Iowa that works for the USDA at Iowa State. In Iowa, he ran down and uh, looked at the, the records and found three populations that were known in Iowa. So he went to visit those, and he said one was destroyed. Oh, I can't remember why it was taken out, uh, you know, farming practices or something like that. Another small population was overrun by invasive species, and the third population, he said, is okay. So two of them gone forever where they were in the records. So basically for posterity, for preserving a species, what we got in Nebraska is the largest group known in the country, and it's not very big. It's basically, I don't know, something like uh, five acres, I guess. Uh, there's, there's this prairie knoll down there that we go to on this fellow's private property, and Bill lets us go down there and collect acorns uh, from these trees because he's proud that he, they are on his property. We have to hike through the woods to get to this prairie knoll. And if you're like, what the heck's a prairie knoll? It's basically like an out, a rocky outcropping or, or um, hill, if you will. That's, uh, and this hill that grows in the middle of those woods is uh, basically just dominated by these dwarf chinkapin oaks. And uh, they're surrounded by woods, native woods that have uh, shagbark hickory and uh, the straight up species chinkapin oak. So this is dwarf chinkapin versus chinkapin. Chinkapin oak, the state champion's 115 foot wide and probably 90 feet tall. Whereas the, the national champion dwarf chinkapin oak is probably only 25 feet tall. So that's what we mean by dwarf. But don't let that little fellow you uh, fool you. Oh, and by the way, yes, we do have a national champion, biggest tree in the country in the dwarf chinkapin oak, but it's only 25 feet. Hey, you got to go somewhere. We're Nebraska, right? <laughs> we don't have giant redwoods. But still, just visited that tree yesterday, doing great. And uh, yeah, so we collected some acorns, probably around 10 pounds, and we will grow those trees. I will share some seed with people as well uh, that are looking for some seed. And uh, we'll get this tree growing and out into the landscape. And Heather had talked about this tree on last week's show, uh, saying they have really gravitated towards producing that at Great Plains Nursery. So they grow some great dwarf chinkapin oaks. And this oak is so tough. And being down on that hill yesterday where it was 100 degrees, uh, thankfully the breeze was there, but it's, it's pretty brutal in there. And the soil is like 
I swear, half limestone rock and half dirt, or I should I say soil. That is pretty much nasty soil, high pH. So these dwarf chinkapins thrive in that soil. Well, we, we take the acorns from that population, regrow them in containers, we get them out in the landscape, and we found, man, they grow relatively quickly. Not slowly, once you take them out of that bad soil and put them in better soil, they do great. And we have tree people that have planted them as far north as western North Dakota. And Greg up there tells me, tell people it's hardy to, to minus 45 ambient. That's not wind chill. That's minus 45 ambient. So, yeah, it's a very winter hardy. And it's planted in places like western Nebraska, out in Kimball, Nebraska, which is south of Scott's Bluff. Uh, very dry country. And it's thriving in plantings there as well. Uh, it's been taken to the front range of Colorado, doing great. Um, gosh, and then southeastern portions of the United States, like, uh, you know, from Missouri on down, Forest Keeling Nursery in St. Louis uh, offers the plant. And they got the original seed from us at the statewide Arboretum. And now they've got their own uh, seed block plantings that they planted out and they collect their own seed. But it's pretty cool that that tree is moving around. I've sent seed to places like Morse Nursery in Illinois, uh, Reeseville Ridge Nursery up in Wisconsin, and Mossy, Mossy Oak Nursery down in, uh, gosh, what was it, Mississippi of all places. All those places have our Nebraska baby. And what's even more cool is a story I'll tell you. Oik Oikos Tree Crops is out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. And I got them, I should say my predecessor had sent them seed uh, many years ago, decades ago. And they offer it in their catalog too. Oikos is like the Greek yogurt, you know, except there's a, just type in Oikos Tree Crops. And Oikos Tree Crops, man, that dude is into everything edible. So if you're into edible landscapes, it's just worth a, a look-see going to his website and seeing what they offer and educating yourself because, man, I tell you what, they're really into uh, food crops, uh, landscape food crops, trees, shrubs, and some perennials as well. Heck, they even sell stinging nettles, <laughs> which I think is cool, stinging nettle plants, and they claim they found one that doesn't sting as bad, but uh, it, it is what it is on that one. But anyway... Uh, a story on the dwarf chinkapin oak is uh, they were contacted by, I think it is the National uh, Jewish Museum in, in Washington, D.C. or New York, somewhere. And uh, they had, they wanted, they had this rocks that they were putting out in front of the building, this new building that they built, fancy new building. And it's like, you know, these, these boulders, like four by four foot boulders. And they basically drilled out uh, uh, the top of the boulders so a little bit of soil can fit in there. And they basically contacted them and said, is there a tree we can grow that will grow in this type of situation? I don't know how big they made the hole, to be honest with you. But this Oikos guy was like, well, yeah, I think I got a tree for you because these dwarf chinkapin oaks literally grow out of these rock this rocky soil. So why not try it? And... Uh, one of these days, I need to get a hold of him and say, do you have any images of that? Are they still alive? What's going on? Because I have seen images of it. He sent them to me, but it's been too long ago. I probably lost it. But the point is, they're that tough. They can grow in a boulder. <laughs> Pretty cool. Well, anyway, I'm telling you about this tree because it's just an, uh, a cool story. Here we have a tree that's pretty much imperiled in the rest of the United States that meets the western 
uh, limit of its range right here in Nebraska, and we have the largest population known of in the world right there near Salem, Nebraska, and we, that we were just at yesterday. So I just think that's pretty cool. Hopefully you thought that was a cool story too. Or you're rolling your eyes and you're going, I really don't care. But Dwarf Chinkapin Oak, if you want to see it, oh, man, there, there is one on campus in Maxwell Arboretum, but it's not a very good representation of it. It's in full shade, and it doesn't like that. But, uh, gosh, I'll, hopefully I'll rack my brain and think of where one's at. Or if you know where, I can send a listener if you're a, a fan of the tree. Let me know. I know Justin Everton's got some planted out at Wayne Park in Waverly. That would be a place, good place to see it. Faux show. Okay, uh, that's enough about Dwarf Chinkapin Oak, I think, even though, man, there's so much more to tell you. <laughs> I don't want to bore you and have a whole show about Dwarf Chinkapin Oak. You have tuned in to How's It Growing here on KZUM Lincoln. Just a couple quick uh, gardening notes. Um, I was asked by Stefan, if, if, is it uh, time to plant bulbs yet? They're thinking of ordering bulbs. And another person asked, what about garlic? Is it, is it time to plant garlic? And... Oh, what are we sitting at today? The 20, oh my gosh, the 21st. You know what that means, people. It's the first day of fall. Happy fall to you. Cool. So we're at the fall the fall equinox now, right? Um, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, with this time of year, the, the first day of fall, you want to wait till around mid-October. And that's a great time to plant bulbs and that's a great time to plant another bulb, which is a garlic clove. You're not planting the whole head. You're planting the clove that makes up the garlic head or bulb. And uh, those cloves can be planted any time around. Well, you could do it early October. You know, it's a pretty big window. But for most people, if you ask them, they'll usually tell you they'll get them in around mid-October. Sometimes, you know, life gets in the way and it might be closer to Halloween time or late October. That's still not too late. Garlic is very tough. And for bulbs, heck, you could go from mid-October to mid-November and beyond. You know, as long as it's not a miserably cold day as we're getting towards Thanksgiving. Uh, a shout-out to Bertine. Bertine's favorite time to plant uh, bulbs is always literally the day before Thanksgiving, which you can kind of make a tradition, which would be kind of fun. Not that you're busy the day before Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> and plus, it could be 32 degrees. Who wants to plant on that? But... But anyway, nonetheless, you have a big window to still order your bulbs. And there's so many bulbs that do great in Nebraska. Um, and we'll talk about bulbs maybe as we get closer to the season in mid-October. I just wanted to give you a heads up that you still have time. It's too early. Sure, you could do it, but the soil temperature is still warm. And, you know, it might actually send up a shoot and grow a little bit too active. You want it to be kind of put down some roots, but yet remain dormant. And that's why we plant it in mid-October, because the soil temperature is warm enough for the bulb to put down some roots in the fall, but not warm enough to send up a shoot, if that makes sense. So anyway, uh, that's your bulb update for the day. Okay, and let's see. Now I wanted to talk about, I think we could go ahead and talk about... Um, a couple of uh, wild edible plants, or I shouldn't call them edible, wild medicine plants. With Barbara not being on the show today, I thought it'd be a good time to talk about, is there anything you could be out there harvesting for medicine here this fall? And, you know, as always, the list is long, but we'll, we'll focus on a, uh, a couple today. And let's see, the first one I want to talk about is Yellow Dock. And we've talked about it on the show with Barbara before, 
it's a cool plant unless you have it all over as a weed. And maybe you know about uh, the dock. Um, slippery dock is another name for it. Um, oh, gosh, what's the other name? Sour dock is another name for it. Uh, curly dock. Anyway, it is a weed. So if you type in uh, curly dock or yellow dock uh, images, you'll see, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that weed you're talking about. Maybe you already know it very well. But just know... Uh, find a spot. Actually, I have a spot at home where I just kind of now let the weed go because that's going to be my, my root harvest. So I'm after this time of year harvesting the root of the dock plant. And it's too early yet. You don't want to do it today. You don't want to do it tomorrow or even next week. Uh, you want to actually wait until a hard freeze kind of knocks the top of the plant back a little bit. And usually the mid-20s will do that or yeah, whatever, 28 uh, a light freeze typically won't knock uh, dock out, but you want a hard freeze and let that knock the top of the plant. Now all the energy is stored in that root underground. And so after that hard freeze, you know, you can wait. I've, I've dug dock, dock root when it was pretty chilly out and, uh, you know, probably in the mid thirties and I was fine with it. That may not be your cup of tea. <laughs> you may want to wait for a warmer day. And you know how these falls go in Nebraska. You know, we could get down to 25 degrees and two weeks later it'll be a high of 80, right? So you just kind of find those days where it's nice out to dig that dock. And then it's just kind of ex excavating, uh, you know, a treasure because of course you don't want to cut into the root. And so I found just kind of loosening the soil around it and kind of scooping out the soil with my hands is one way. Sure, you can just kind of sever the root, but then you're not going to get as much harvest. So you want to go deep because yellow dock roots will go down a good foot, uh, you know, of harvestable material. And uh, the root gets big. Oh, gosh, it can get up to be, you know, two inches wide. Um, so, yeah, so it's uh, pretty amazing uh, how big it'll get as that storage organ underground. That's why yellow dock is hard to get rid of because it has such a tremendous root underground. And they call it yellow dock for a reason. Uh, if you peel the brown part of that root off, because it kind of looks like bark or whatever, uh, thin bark on the root, but if you peel it away... It's like uh, sulfur yellow, really, really pretty yellow um, looking uh, root uh, in that plant. But, you know, when, when you're going to use it and make stuff out of it, um, peeling it is the best way to go to get, the, you know, get the dirt and the stuff off. First, you wash it, obviously, and then peel it. And then you're ready to transform that yellow dock into your medicine. You can tincture it. You can make it into a salve. And yeah, we'll be talking about that here. But first, I got to take a break. 474-5086 is number to call. I'd love to hear from you. Maybe you've used Yellow Dock or maybe you want to learn more about it. Maybe you're interested in the dwarf chinkapin oak, whatever. Love to hear from you. 474-5086. I'm flying solo today. Also asking you to still pledge your support to KZUM at kzum.org. Go there. Pledge your support. $120 level would be awesome. 10 bucks a month we could take out of your card, right? That's $2.50. Was Is talking about the dwarf chinkapin oak worth $2.50 to you? Well, maybe not. But talking about yellow dock medicine, ah, once you discover this plant's virtues and you actually do it, you will be glad you did. Believe you and me, this is just, this is not hocus pocus. This is the real stuff. 
Yellow Doc is great medicine. All right, I'll be back after these brief messages. Keep it right there. This is KZUM Lincoln. All right, a little Jesse Colin Young to bring us to the next part of How's It Growing. Uh, of course, it's a song called It's a Lovely Day. And a, yeah, it is a lovely day out there. Beautiful day. And almost a, a trip. I had to wear jeans this morning. That was kind of wild and made the mistake of wearing shorts yesterday hiking through the woods. And if, you've, if you know the plant, uh, prickly ash, have you ever heard of prickly ash? It's not an ash tree, but somebody thought the leaves looked like an ash, so they called it prickly ash. Anyway, it's got some thorns on it. Yeah, you think you know thorns, people? Man, if you ever run into a patch of prickly ash, it'll let you know. And they are like razor sharp, and it's like they'll cut you, and it's like you'll, you look down and you go, Oh, why does my leg kind of burn a little bit? You look, it's like, oh, it's bleeding. It's like you didn't even notice it got cut. They're so sharp. And, uh, yeah, looking at my legs, it looked like I went through. Uh, it was pretty bad. And uh, so got home last night, you know, from out collecting seed. And, uh, you know, it was hot and sweaty all day. And so took a shower. And it burned a little bit with those all those little cuts I had from uh, the prickly ash, right? But I also knew, ah, I've got a weapon to battle that pain. We have a comfrey salve at home. So I just, after the shower, put on the comfrey salve and all those little cuts. And uh, I shouldn't call them little. They were like, you know, four inches across, uh, four inches long. <laughs> so anyway, quite a few of those. It looked pretty bad, man. And uh, But it looked worse than it felt, let's put it that way. And, you know, so put on that salve. And at first, you know, the, the pain didn't go away right away. But I could tell right away it was working. And, oh, this morning when I woke up, kind of rubbing my hand up and down my leg, I mean, I, I'm doing it right now as I speak, and I'm feeling no pain at all. And uh, isn't that wild? Just one day, and, you know, you've heard me talk quite a bit about comfrey on this show before, but uh, I'm telling you, uh, seek it out, find it, get it, and plant it in your yard. Have it somewhere so it's always on hand. So when things like this come up yesterday, you've got your medicine chest right there because what what would you have done? Well, what should I put on it? I don't know. Put on some triple antibiotic, whatever, to keep it from being uh, infected, uh, yada, yada, right? But uh, what's going to regenerate new cells? What's going to, you know, hasten the healing process? Well, that's comfrey. Boom. And uh, and there's other herbs that'll do it too, which, which is cool. I could have had a, you know, could have used yarrow. I could have used... Uh, Oh, gosh, a number of things, and my brain's not quite working right now to, to think of those right off the top of my head. But, yeah, I'm telling you, uh, comfrey, it is the bomb. Get it, grow it, find a friend that has it. They'll give you some because usually they have plenty. <laughs> ah, so anyway, all right, where were we? Let's go back to yellow dock, and I want to talk about that. It is a fabulous herb for modern life. Not only does it support stage two detoxification of the liver um, it, it promotes healthy digestion a diverse microbiome and more so yellow dock is a digestive bitter and you've probably heard about digestive bitters such as uh, uh, chamomile bitters for example um, when taken about 20 minutes before a meal the bitter components of certain herbs can stimulate an increase of the digestive enzymes and bioflow from the liver so it's a good one to take, you know, uh, to help in digestion. Um, you know, it's just a, a good thing. 
Anyway, it's considered a bitter herb due to the presence of tannins, and like other bitters, it makes digestion and absorption of nutrients more efficient. So also by taking a, you know, a dose, a tincture before your meal, um, just make it part of your, your ritual, right? You have, your, you have it close by in the kitchen, and uh, you know, you're, something is cooking in the oven, it's a half hour from being done, you just kind of, it becomes part of your day and say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a yellow, little yellow dock. So we'll make a tincture out of it and uh, put it in a uh, eyedropper bottle. And then you just, you know, one eyedropper full, which is usually about, what, 30 drops, something like that. Just, I'll squirt that into my mouth. Bef- and uh, it's pretty bitter pill. <laughs> so I usually follow it up with some water if you can't handle that bitterness. But it's funny because the dock, once you infuse it into you know, an alcohol like vodka, uh, it turns it like pretty much like dark brown almost black and it's kind of freaky where you're going seriously i'm gonna drink that okay anyway that's the tannins that are pulled out of that root and so not only does it help stimulate uh digestion but uh it you know it it it, it increases the absorption of the nutrients in your meal so maybe you're having a salad maybe you're having a very nutritious meal well heck by doing that bitter herb before you you actually uh, ingest the meal it's going to help absorb the nutrients in that plant that you're eating and consuming so how cool is that i think it's pretty cool all right so um let's see what else um yellow duck is a prebiotic so most people have heard by now Uh, that including probiotics in the diet, it's just the first step to supporting a healthy microbiome in your gut. And a healthy microbiome in your gut, folks, is like critical to a lot of things that we end up having problems with as humans. Uh, You know, we're we're all kind of lacking a healthy microbiome in our gut. That's why you see those advertisements on TVs like, oh, get your, buy your probiotic pill. Well, we don't need a pill to solve those problems. There's plants that'll do that for us and, and yellow dock is one of them. But we also have to include, in addition to probiotics, prebiotics. And that is the food for the probiotics. The, the inulin in yellow dock is a prebiotic feeding the beneficial bacteria that are essential for dissect, digestive health. How cool is that, right? Another prebiotic that we talk about on the show quite a bit is uh, sunchokes or Jerusalem artichoke. And sunchoke season's coming up as well. And you've heard me talk about it on the program quite a bit before too. It's a perennial plant. Uh, It's a sunflower species and that we can grow in the garden. Just be very careful. It's very aggressive, but uh, it, um, it is loaded with inulin as well which is a prebiotic that helps uh, feed your gut. A lot of people complain about um, that plant or the the root of that plant, the sunchoke, is kind of giving you gaseous exchange, kind of like the same way people complain about beans giving you gas. Um, Your gut is basically kind of getting used to digesting that, right? So if you eat beans more in your diet, you're not going to have nearly the issue. And if you eat uh, sunchokes more in your diet, you're not going to have as bad of issue and I can tell you, eating sunchokes a lot in my life, only once do I remember where I was like, oh, man, I can see what people are talking about. It kind of had some pretty bad, just kind of felt bloated. And I realized, oh, <laughs> I probably ate uh, more like two cups of them, and I probably shouldn't have done that. So anyway, it didn't last long, and it was, it was fine, but still pretty cool. Okay, so there you got it. So it's uh, the yellow dock, and that, that tincture that you make out of yellow dock 
of course, taking that tincture um, is helping with digestion, right? Before you eat your meal, it's also going to provide you a prebiotic. So, you know, you don't have to munch on the root to get the prebiotic in your diet. You just make a tincture out of it. And we'll talk about that here in a bit. So yellow dock is believed to accumulate beneficial minerals from the soil into its roots and leaves. And uh, so I talked about that big root. So the root can be up to two inches across, easily 12 inches deep, right? And you excavate the soil around it, dig it up and peel it and uh, shred it. Uh, when you're making it into a tincture, we just kind of chopped it fine. And uh, yeah, so anyway, once you you do that, uh, you can just put it in vodka. And a lot of sources will say that um, you should dry it first. And uh, there's ways around that. You can dry it first or you can just, uh, you know, add it in there and, and you know, shake it up uh, for about two to three weeks and, and not a problem. But if you're trying to do yellow dock tincture in an oil, there's so much water in that root that the oil can turn rancid before it, it pulls out all the goodies. So that's where you would use the dried root is in an oil-based tincture. But an alcohol-based tincture, not a problem. And very easy to do. Recipes online and in general, you do a two-to-one ratio, two part, uh, one part yellow dock to two parts uh, alcohol. So generally what I'll do is just take a quart jar and uh, pack it full of shredded dock uh, root and then pour the vodka over the top of it to fill the jar. So there's your two-to-one ratio. Very easy. You don't have to overthink it. Shake the jar a couple times a day if you, if you can keep it on the countertop to remember to do that. And then strain out the yellow dock root, and you've got yourself a tincture. Really tough, right? And um, it'll last you a long time, and it's a great medicine. How cool would you be giving a friend your yellow dock tincture around Christmas time and get them turned on to this? Anyway, yellow dock, because of that deep root, it basically pulls minerals up out of the soil that other plants don't do because they don't have that extensive root system that we're able to utilize, right? Uh, these minerals are then passed to the lucky consumers of yellow dock. So knowing the prevalence of mineral deficiency in our country due to modern farming practices impact on soil quality, this nutritive aspect is just one more reason to make yellow dock your herbal buddy. It's high in iron and is considered a useful herbal companion during menstruation and pregnancy. So it's just good stuff, man, and uh, lots of great information online. There's a lot of history about it. It goes way back, and it goes back far enough that the reason yellow dock is here and the reason it, it's a weed is people don't utilize it anymore. So it was brought over here for food stuff, and it was brought over here for its natural remedies, and we've gotten away from that. That's why dock is everywhere. And that's why I say, you know, be, be a little careful about where you would dig the dock. I like digging it in my own yard because I know I'm not, you know, my soil's good. I'm not adding any chemicals to my soil. But you don't just want to go dig dock, you know, you know anywhere because uh, it could be half history of the soil being sprayed every year, right? Because uh, it's hard to kill yellow dock with chemicals, even though us humans try. And every year we spend millions and millions of dollars to try to eradicate the yellow dock when it's just trying to shake us humans and say, man, love me. I'm worth loving. So there's your dock story. In fact, it has so much uses. Uh, the late, great Kay Young, who wrote the book Wild Seasons, talks about the dock greens in the springtime, using those as cooked greens. And we've talked about that on the program, too. They're very good. 
but uh, according to Kay Young's uh, grandchildren, they knew it as the doctor plant. So they called it, hey, doc, you know, after, after doctor. So yellow doc, D-O-C-K, not spelled like, you know, doc, uh, is just good stuff. So find it. Uh, if you don't have any um, in your yard, consider a place to plant it. Did I just say that? Because the seeds can also be used of yellow dock and still are used by other cultures today. And the seeds are out there to harvest for you right now. In fact, they've been ready for you to harvest a month ago. Um, probably still clinging on the plant so you could still do this. But look up yellow dock seed recipes and you'll see... Um, it is, I think it's, if I remember right, it's chalked. I've never done this before. It's on my bucket list. One of these years, but there are recipes online. Uh, you, I think you can make like a flour typed product out of it. If you grind up those seeds, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, and if you've done it before, do give me a call and let me know how it, first of all, what did you use it for? How did you process it? But uh, anyway, worth looking into for you because I tell you what, if, it, if you do find yellow dock patch, there's lots of seeds. And that's one way we can prevent that invasive plant from spreading all over the place is taking care of its seeds, right? And making sure it, it doesn't have a chance to seed around much. Okay, so I think I w all I wanted to say about yellow dock, now I kind of want to shift gears and say, again, since it's fall, and this is another plant where... You know, let it let just like yellow dock, let a hard freeze come and knock the top of that plant back. So all of the energy of that plant is now in the root system. And if you can wait for a new moon for digging both of these, pay attention to that and find out when a new moon cycle is. And uh, I would say I'm digging my Solomon seal. I'm digging my yellow dock in November. And so just find out when the new moon cycle is in November. All that energy down into the plant ground down into the root system of that plant best time for you to dig it and you can dig it right okay now on to solomon seal the show's uh i think about seven minutes left here on how's it growing hey and uh, just a quick reminder we are still in the midst of our fall fund drive i'd love to hear from you at kzum.org pledge your support hopefully uh, learning about yellow dock and solomon seal are worth two dollars and fifty cents for you today because that's all it costs you <laughs> to listen to kzum two dollars and fifty cents a week here for how's it growing if you pledge at the 120 dollar level We'd literally only take out, well, we could take out all of it at once if you want, but you could set it up to take it out uh, $10 a month. And so that bill doesn't hurt as bad taking it out. And uh, you know you're supporting a fantastic radio station, a community-based radio station that does great stuff in this community. Without KZUM, where would you be? Don't let your friend do it. Don't let your neighbor do it. You do it yourself. KZUM.org. Pledge your support right here, right now while we're talking about cool plants. Okay, now I'll shift gears uh, to Solomon Seal. And Solomon Seal, man, it's, it's such a cool plant. Uh, you know, I love it for any kind of injury. Shoot, a lot of people have sports injuries this time of year. Your kids, you know, sprained ankles, pulled muscles, you name it, right? Well, the reason I like it so much is Solomon Seal helps connective tissues heal. When you pull a muscle, Maybe you think in terms of muscle pain, but it's not just the muscle that has to heal. There are tendons connecting the muscle to bones and beyond that, the fascia, which is like a web of connective tissue that holds all of your muscles in place throughout your body. And these are where the Solomon seal shines. 
ensuring that fluid balance is correct in these areas, making sure nutrients are getting where they are going, allows these tissues to heal from their pulled out of shape state back into their, this is where I belong state. And Solomon Seal is so versatile, if I can remember Sharon's um, mantra, that it, uh, it tightens what's loose and it loosens what's tight. So what I really like it for is like, you know, you've got a sore back, sore muscles, you know, it's like, you know, if you're doing gardening a lot, right, you got a sore back, uh, make yourself a Solomon Seal salve, have somebody rub that on the sore parts or all over your back, whatever, maybe your whole back is sore, or maybe you, like you say, you have a sports injury, maybe you got a deep thigh bruise, whatever the case may be, um, rubbing that salve on there, I swear within five minutes, it feels like you have a warm blanket on your back and uh, I've had instances where my back was sore put it on at night and then the following day uh, after sleeping with that salve on overnight greatly improved so it is a pretty amazing stuff I'm telling you it works and it's it's been around for centuries it's been used for centuries and there's actually been some research done in China because the, there's a species that grows in China I think it's uh, multiflorum and that one uh, is the variegated Solomon seal that you can buy and grow in your garden. A lot of people have it in their garden. And yes, it has just as powerful medicine as our native Solomon seal because Solomon seal also grow out in the woods as well. And you can grow our native Solomon seal, which you should, uh, more so than the variegated one from China. But if you have the variegated one from China, you know you have it, right? Because the plant is kind of aggressive and it will, will kind of take over areas and spread around a little too much. Well, just know sitting under that patch of variegated Solomon seal right now is a treasure trove of medicine waiting for you to take part. And how cool would you be to harvest up that Solomon seal again sometime in November, let it freeze back and process it and make uh, make your own homemade salve and then give it away to friends for the holiday season. I'm envisioning you getting so much information here on how's it growing that you're eventually gonna have, oh, three or four or five or six tinctures and salves that you can give away and your friends are gonna count on you every Christmas, uh, giving you their own herbal medicine chest and a very thoughtful gift in my opinion, doesn't cost you a whole lot, very inexpensive gift but a very thoughtful gift nonetheless. So pretty cool. All right, so um, yeah, so Solomon Seal, you can also do um, internal ingestion. I know friends that make uh, a tincture out of it and you can certainly consume it um, you know, as a tincture form internally. So in addition to the topical part I was saying, and anyway, from what I've read, Native Americans uh, use it kind of as a snack food. If they were out in the woods because they had a lot of moisture in the root, they could basically dig up the root, wash it, clean it very well, and then just snack on it. And I've done that before. It's kind of like eating a, a very mild potato or jicama type of thing. That's the kind of texture you'll get out of it. So crispy and uh, and lots of moisture in there. And but quite honestly, I can't remember what did it taste like. I can't remember if it really tasted like anything that I can describe. You know, it, it tasted like Solomon seal root. Anyway, so so it's completely edible uh, as well. So check that out sometime too. I've actually snacked on the variegated one as well. It's just as good. And last year, I dug up a two by two foot patch of Solomon seal root because there was a lot of roots down in there, kind of, you know 
working in the soil and whatnot and just a two by two patch uh, we got all we needed for a tincture so if you've got a patch of variegated solomon seal or native solomon seal and it's 12 by 12 feet <laughs> you've got yourself a whole lot of messing under there so again just think of it for sore joints muscles uh bad back sports injuries anything like that something tells me you've had those before right maybe you're experiencing right now maybe recovering from uh, surgery things like that you have a sore knee because you've had knee surgery or hip surgery or whatever like that all these things i've talked about today especially the solomon seal as well as the comfrey you want those on hand because when then friends will start contacting you go and say hey man what did you say i should be putting on my my knee i just had knee surgery two weeks ago and uh man and just still hurting and whatnot and uh that will help alleviate the pain help the healing process and send you on your way on the road to recovery it's just really good stuff i can't stress it enough make those two a part of your life get to know them intimately yellow dock comfrey um and solomon seal all right all right oh and then without further ado uh, almost out of time coming up right now and actually you could probably go mushroom hunting and find some but it's been so dry we get a rain it's prime season for puffballs puffballs the giant puffballs should be coming up uh, anytime now if we can buy some moisture they'll probably still come up despite no moisture and the giant puffball awesome uh, mushroom uh, certainly edible uh, look it up online on how to identify it how to make sure there's no imposters that you can mistake it for it's a very easy plant and uh, and utilize it and eat it up yum and then you've got the oyster mushroom and which is also a very common mushroom this time of year and one of my favorites for its culinary use love 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 oyster mushroom and if you look up what it looks like online and look like, can I mistake it for anything? And because oftentimes these good mushroom sites will talk about that. Is there a poisonous counterpart you can mistake it for? And with the oyster mushroom, there is not. No other mushroom looks like it. Now the puffball uh, kind of has a poison counterpart, but it's it's so much smaller. It's it's hard to confuse the two. But just to be safe, when you cut open a puffball, which looks basically like a a small puffball is a softball. A big puff ball is like a volleyball. They're big and huge. And you cut them open in half, and it's got to be pure white, creamy white all the way through. Then you know you are golden. You've got the right baby, and that's what you want to harvest. Okie doke. All right, that's your show for the day. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy How's It Growing. Thanks for listening in, and I hope you enjoy supporting KZUM, kzum.org. Pledge your support right now. Help us get to our goal. We are short, but man, if all of us kind of just, you know, hunker down, we will get it done together. KZUM.org. All right, you have a great week. I'll see you next week right here on How's It Growing. Hope you got something out of today's show.